The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. Welcome back to the Secrets of Technology podcast. I'm Kim Commando, America's digital goddess, and I never miss an episode. You're listening to the Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Jack Berizzini, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And I'm filling in for uh, Dom Bettinelli today. And joining me today on the panel are Father Andrew Kinstetter. Hi, Father. Hello there. And Pat Scott. Hey, Pat. Hi there. All right. Uh, today, we've got a very uh, interesting uh, question from uh, one of our uh, patrons. They were asking... Um, this is from listener Joe. He's saying, I joined as a patron this year because of Jimmy Aiken's Mysterious World and have discovered your other podcasts like Secrets of Technology. I would like your opinion on how we should handle tech companies that actively campaign for abortion. I believe the following ads explicitly lobbying for abortion ran in national newspapers, and they sent a link to a website that is called uh, don'tbanequality.com. Um, and they ask, how should uh, Christians respond? Should we cancel our services with them? The companies include, and they give a list of companies like Netflix, Zoom, Slack, Yelp, Reddit, um, et cetera, things like that. Yeah, so it's a uh, it's an interesting and complex question to tackle because there's a lot of different layers to it. And as we were talking about um, offline before we started, there's um, several different ways to approach it. Um, what I would like to tie it into uh, right off the bat is when we're using technology in general, we need to be thinking about these kind of things because when you're buying electronic devices or using services, a lot of times there are issues down the road, whether it's the acquiring of conflict materials that are used to build the devices or the working conditions where the devices are built that you also need to be thinking about in addition to what these companies are supporting. But I know uh, you, Father, had some uh, good insight on that. Yeah, and I and I think maybe to 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 look big picture first of all is um especially in our world today um it's darn near impossible to use just about anything technology-wise and not touching on on something perhaps immoral that uh, that a company is is promoting. Right. I mean, just living in the world, it's it's hard to to avoid all of that unless you're a hermit and God is not calling the vast majority of us to to live that kind of a, a life. So, um, definitely, I'm I'm sure that that many of us are are inadvertently even doing some sort of uh, cooperation without even realizing it. So, um, to just kind of give a uh, big picture kind of look at this uh, from a theological uh, perspective first, before we get into the kind of the the concrete. Um, I feel like I'm um, <laughs> guest lecturing at my uh, seminary. This is. <laughs> straight from my <laughs> seminary notes. So this is kind of fun, uh, real, real world applications of some of this stuff. So, um, and also, I mean, we, we see this all the time. A lot of this stuff, this cooperation with evil aspect is, is very much present even in, in the, the vaccine and whether or not to take, take the vaccine. So, right. I mean, it's, this is definitely a topic that's in our, in our present mind, in our culture. And so to give a, a big overview, um, the way that the church would look at this from a theological perspective is that there are two, 
main categories of what we would call cooperation with evil. And so the first one would be called formal cooperation. And this is always wrong. This is when I choose to do an act that is inherently and in my mind, I'm willing the evil that someone else is doing. And in my act, I'm contributing to that. So, you know, this this would be if if you are um, intentionally going and supporting some company because they are doing something immoral, because they're supporting abortion, that would be a formal cooperation that that you're formally in your own mind cooperating with it because of the evil that they're doing. Um, and of course, that can go um, more in depth. You can you can cooperate on a um on a approximate or a remote. So proximate is like the act that you do is essential to the performance of the evil action of another. So um, an example of this would be as someone who, who, who is running the machines that is doing the abortion. Even if the doctor's doing the actual abortion, um, uh, proximate cooperation is you're, you're doing an act that is essential to the performance of the evil. Versus remote cooperation, which would be um, it's not the act itself is not essential to the performance of the evil, but it's still cooperating with it in some way. That's, you know, if you're going to support a company because of their uh, because of their promotion of abortion. So that's all kind of informal cooperation, always wrong um, to do because you are intentionally intending the evil that you are cooperating with. And the other form of cooperation would be material cooperation. And so that's where we fall into this realm of, of discussion. Material cooperation is cooperating with someone else's evil doing um, without intending the wrong that they are doing. So I don't will that the evil be done, but I contribute to the evil doing in some other way. And this also has the, the proximate and the remote aspect. And so what the where we're where we're falling it into things is the remote material cooperation uh, as we define our terms here. So that would be, you know, we are cooperating with evil, but we are not intending the evil and the actions that we are doing are not essential to the evil actions that are done by the corporations. So just because I'm buying some technology from a company that supports abortion, I don't I am not intending them advocating for abortion, nor does my purchase of that particular technology. Um, that's not essential to their promotion of abortion as well. Mm -hmm. So the question becomes is whether or not that remote material cooperation is <laughs> here's some more uh, theological language for you. Licit, which is basically that just means whether it's allowable, whether it's morally OK to do so if it's licit or if it's illicit. And so that's essentially where we find ourselves today is 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 it morally allowable for us to you know use use zoom even though they you know are 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 one of those companies that are listed as promoting abortion um so that's <laughs> right. that's kind of a, a a snapshot of of some of the, the the principles behind this this whole question and it's a really good question it is, and it's one of those things where, especially the way discourse is on the internet nowadays, when you look up these kind of things, you're going to get people who are saying, this is the way you have to view this period, there's no wiggle room, or this is the way you have to view it. There's, you're, you, it's hard to find resources, um, and that, uh, that explanation you just gave was excellent, and I know Catholic Answers has also covered this a lot, um, yep. Yep. but 
I would say be wary of going out on the internet and just looking at different forums because you're going to find a lot of half-truths out there that are going to portray this in one way or another that is not correct. Um, and kind of just to, to touch on that also, I know we're talking specifically about technology companies here, um, but this applies to really any sort of action you're going to take, um, mm-hmm. whether it's like paying your taxes because the government supports things that are immoral and you cannot right. reasonably not pay your taxes. Um, yep. or, um, something like, I know you uh, mentioned the vaccine. I would say something like using zoom or Slack or one of those isn't even further removed from something like mm-hmm. the vaccine, which used, um, cell lines in that directly. Whereas this is a company saying they support something. So it's levels and levels and levels removed from the immoral act. Correct. Well, and I would think also to say, you know, like maybe I buy a product. That's one one thing I could do. But if I turn around and give $20,000 to that organization on the basis of the fact that they publish this, now that, that's got to be bad. Right. You know, because I am materially contributing at that point to that cause, not just indirectly buying a product that's mm-hmm. that's sitting on a shelf. Yeah, I, I ran into something similar. Uh, there was a band that I liked a lot. Um and they did like a fundraiser for Planned Parenthood where they were selling merchandise that was specifically like a portion of that went to Planned Parenthood. And I would say like buying their regular T-shirt or their regular CD would be remote material cooperation because you're not intending that. But if you were to buy that mm-hmm. merchandise that was specifically set aside for that donation, that would be much more proximate. So it's kind of right. the same thing. Yeah, yeah. And definitely, I mean, one of the, one of the key things here, too, is, is your intention. You know, if if you're intending the evil, if you're intending to support a company and purchase from them because they support um, and promote abortion, that's always wrong. But if you you know, if it's if it's something that you purchase their product, but you don't intend in your mind their their promotion of those sorts of things, that's where it then becomes that material cooperation. And then it begs the question whether or not it's uh, listed or not. Right. Well, I've also seen a lot of of, uh, questions about people that say, well, this head of the company said something about this issue, and I don't agree with that because I think it's a moral issue to try to boycott that boycott that company on the basis of one person's uh, opinions and actions that that again, to me, seems pretty pretty un, unreasonable to uh to expect that you're going to be able to change that person's mind by not buying their product right yeah that's a lot of it and also you need to look at what is actually being said and what is actually being done because a lot of this stuff is lip service to get good pr it's not any sort of substantial right. a- acts that are actually going towards supporting that immorality usually it's hey we're going to say this because it's the woke thing to do and people are going to give us kudos on the internet yeah well and and i think you know we we always we need to try to be aware of what what these companies are doing what they're saying um you know the the head of a company might have a personal opinion but the company policy might be something different Mm -hmm. um we need to keep these things in mind because um what we are called to do of course is to to be the, the the light of the world and to witness to truth and what is right and moral you know, so there are a number of things to, to keep in mind, too, is that if there is an alternative, you know, if you can if you can go to your local coffee shop instead of Starbucks, because Starbucks has, you know, these bad policies, then we should do that. 
um, you know, that that's not going to change, you know, the, the Starbucks policies or, or anything like that. But but it is going to to show, you know, yourself and your family and the people that you witness to that that you're going to do. You're going to go elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so we have to focus, um, I mean, both on on the companies themselves, but we're not going to be able to change the company. So we have to look at look at our personal choices, you know, and what we're doing. And we need to strive to to be informed and, you know, and, and I think maybe that's that's step number one. There's there's tons of tons of us that have not a clue what the companies are actually advocating. We just we like, you know, the new X, Y, Z, you know, technology piece. And so we buy it. Mm-hmm. But we're not we're not consciously thinking about, you know, what what it, what the company themselves are, are promoting. But again, that's not necessarily inherently immoral or wrong. Right, because at a certain point, you cannot spend all your time combing through a company's policies and where all their donation is going, because you're not going to be able to live your life. And this is this problem is not a new problem. Like I feel like a lot of times it's kind of framed in a a very modern context, but having to deal with remote uh, cooperation with evil is something that people have had to deal with for ever because you're interacting in a society and some people are going to be doing things that are immoral. Many of the principles that I was just trying to articulate are are coming from St. Thomas Aquinas. So yeah, this is, this is not a modern invention. The, the challenge that we have in our modern world is that there's just, there's so much more, there's more ways in which we are um, cooperating with evil. Abortion Mm -hmm. wasn't as I mean, it was present, um, you know, in, in past, uh, you know, uh, centuries, but it wasn't as prevalent as it is today or right. the technology. And, and I mean, even even some of the, the bioethical things that we're dealing with today because of technology, they didn't have to deal with 100 years ago and before. Mm-hmm. So the challenge that we have is that there's just so many more ways in which um, those things are being presented. And then, of course, companies are, are involved in um, and maybe it was easier. <laughs> you know, a few, a few centuries ago and it was just you and your, your local, your local town. And, and, you know, that was the most that you needed to worry about. Right. Your, uh, your local blacksmith making your uh, horseshoes was not part of a big mega corporation. He, <laughs> right, he was worried about right. putting food on the table for his family, not making donations to, uh, NGOs and stuff. <laughs> right. So right. it is just a, it is part of our very interconnected world that we kind of need to square. And on the one hand, you can kind of go out of your way to the point of being detrimental to the, your, to living your life and like interacting with society, worrying about these things. Mm -hmm. But on the same token, you don't want to go the other direction, which is, Oh, I I don't care. I'm just, I'm not even going to think about it. Like you need to find that medium where you're living your life, you're interacting with society, but you're also doing as much good as possible where you can. Mm hmm. Yeah, so I I have a number of uh, suggestions for our listeners if they're if they're interested in kind of following down this path. So, um, you know, as we're discussing whether or not it is morally okay to material cooperate with with evil, so whether or not it's morally okay to use Zoom because Zoom, you know, their company is is advocating for abortion. Um, there's a number of of questions that need to be posed and kind of um, reasoning that needs to happen within ourselves before we can determine whether or not it's okay. And this would include not just use of technology, but any any sort of um, material cooperation. And so I'm going to kind of walk through those so um, our listeners can can kind of think about this and reason th- for themselves as well. So point number one is that we want to make sure that that it is not formal cooperation. 
So using Zoom, I am not intentionally um, wanting them to advocate for abortion or in my action by using Zoom. I'm not participating in my will in what the, the wrongful things that they're doing. So if it's not formal cooperation, then you um, make sure that the act itself that you're doing is morally acceptable. So using Zoom is not inherently immoral. There's there's nothing wrong with with using technology to communicate with one another. Uh, so the the act itself that you're doing is 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 OK. Um, next, you want to make sure that um, that you're choosing um, that that your goal is good, that, that what you're intending is good. So your actions are leading to something that is good. Um, uh, we would use the, the buzzword integral f- human fulfillment in, in our theology class. So is what I'm doing leading me towards the fulfillment that God is wanting to to do in me this side of heaven? And if that is also true, then you want to just make sure that you um, are not, um, uh, we need to purify ourselves against our own uh, dispositions against um, these these things. And, and we want to make sure that we're sensitive to um, in analyzing these reasons for and against uh, this cooperation. Um, as, as Catholics, of course, we want to make sure that we're in a state of grace. We have repented of our sinfulness and, and are committed to not committing uh, mortal and venial sins. Um, and then we want to uh, consider the reasons for doing said actions. So the reason for using Zoom um, and we want to consider the bad side effects, the good side effects, um, how they're going to affect the community, etc. So we want to ask, is using Zoom going to have bad effects upon me? Am I going to be somehow more inclined towards sin because I'm using Zoom? Am I going to be more selfish, for example, if I use Zoom? Um, is using Zoom going to be a scandal to others? Um, is it going to cause disharmony between myself and the community? Um, is it going to impede us from being credible witnesses against the wrongdoing? Um, and does it prevent us from actually living out our vocations? Um, if those questions lead you to think that, that it's, it's still okay, then you want to, um, of course, make sure and consider any alternative methods to use other than uh, other than the the potential cooperation um, and I'm using zoom as an example but you could use any of the the examples mm-hmm. so is there an alternative that is not you know a company that's advocating for abortion um, and if there's not then you want to also make sure that you don't have any mixed motives at play your emotions you're not emotionally invested in a particular company because of you know personal connection even though they um, advocate for for abortions you want to make sure that your reasons are are firmly rooted in, in, um, logic and reason. Um, and then, uh, essentially that's kind of the, the processes that, that we have to go through. And then if the, the, the good and the bad sort of your, um, reasonings kind of balance out, then it's just a matter of, of discerning and praying and asking the Holy spirit to, to, to guide us into choosing whether or not this is right for, for us. So, um, I know that was a bit long winded, but no, it's fantastic. Um, I'm hopefully, hope, hopefully that I mean, that, that gives us a it's it's not a th- this is not a black and white answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's the challenge that we find ourselves in. Um, yeah, unlike formal cooperation, which, OK, it's wrong, period. <laughs> and we move on. Uh, this is very much a, uh, you know, a, a, a mix. And and it's OK to at the end of all of this discernment and prayer to conclude that it is not morally licit for me to do this and to not use those services. That is a completely mm-hmm. acceptable uh, conclusion to make. 
but it's also completely acceptable um, to conclude. Um, I mean, and I've been using Zoom, for example, um, you know, and so for me, I have concluded that it is OK morally for me to use Zoom. We use that on a diocesan level. We use that to connect with the priests in the diocese and, and so forth. You know, so um, on my end, I've concluded that using Zoom um, is is morally acceptable for me. But if you conclude otherwise, that's perfectly OK, too. Uh, is there an offset like type of thing? Somebody will say, well, I'm going to take a plane trip, so I need to do a carbon offset. Is it something like this that you say, well, I, I think that this is licit to do, but golly, I think I'll donate such and such a money to this organization over here because that's a good cause. I mean, I, I've, I've heard people talk about, well, I'm doing this, but let me do something positive over here to kind of offset well, it. Um, I mean, that, that's, that's a great, a great idea. Um, but the moral life is not a, like a tally of, you know, I've done X amount in the good and X amount in cooperating with evil, even if it's, um, it's not even if it's book. right, right. <laughs> so, place. you know, well, and that's, yeah, actually yeah. that's, that's a, a really, uh, the good place, a, a TV show kind of tries to address the complexities of some of this in their point system. Um, but the, the the long and the short of it is, at least from from a Catholic point of view, is is we have to look at each of our actions in and of themselves as moral actions. And then, you know, and you're you're not going to do, uh, you know, an action of giving to a, a good charity to kind of offset a previous action. It's like trying to convince God that I'm going to do 10 good things if I can do one bad thing. I've just heard this expressed by people. That's why I wanted to bring it up. Yeah. Well, and, and, and that is, that is maybe a way for that. We try to rationalize it and, and say, well, yeah, it's, it's, it's okay. If I do X amount of good elsewhere, the long and the short of it is, is that each action has to be looked at individually Mm -hmm. um, and, and weighed accordingly. And I mean, ideally, we are determining that even if we are unfortunately doing a material cooperation, if it's morally licit, you know, we're we're still striving to find alternatives. We're striving for um, purity of heart. We're, you know, only using it because there is no there is no other other option. And ideally, we are doing all those other good things, but not because of (laughs) trying to offset Mm -hmm. this particular thing. Um, you know, and, and, um, I mean, that's the, that's the mess that we find ourselves in, in our, in our human world and the brokenness of sin and, and, and all of that around us. It would be so nice if, if every company just had the, you know, the stellar positive ideals and, and none of them were promoting anything that was bad. And then we wouldn't have to worry about this, but that sounds like what we'll experience in heaven one day and not, not this side of 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 heaven when we have all the the brokenness around us but we're still called to be you know those those lights the witnesses to to what is morally good and we need to advocate for it so i mean even these companies it would be good to to let them know that we don't approve of their advocating for abortion um it would be good to let them know that we don't advocate for the conditions of their workers that are that are building these devices i mean we can still do those kind of things and they may not listen to us, but we're still called to to be that that witness and and to speak up, you know, mm-hmm. especially when we see this kind of injustice. Um, you know, boycotting technology isn't necessarily probably going to work, but we can still we can still be that witness and and strive to do to do our part to to promote what is morally good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And 
I think it's also good to think about the opportunities that technology provides to reach out to people and to evangelize that you would not have otherwise. Like even the SQPN network, like that would not exist without technology. Yep. And so yep. there's a lot of positives that come from these things. And I feel like we can, it's, we can tie ourselves in knots over it, but we need to just, you know, pick a plan and move forward and do the best we can. Mm-hmm. And and I appreciate what you said earlier too, is that you can't, you can't just get so caught up in trying to go down every rabbit hole on, on what policies that, that, that they're promoting, mm-hmm. but you also can't be completely just, um, intentionally ignorant about right. any of this either. So we have to, you know, pray, discern and reason through these things and make those conclusions and do our best to, yeah, use, use the technologies, um, to, to promote the gospel. And that's, yeah, that's what SQPN is all about. Yeah. Which is an awesome thing to be a part of. Yeah, definitely. That was a, that was a fantastic question. Uh, thank you, Joe. And we appreciate your, uh, support on Patreon. And if you would like to, uh, become a patron, um, I want to go ahead and take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of technology, including Jason H, Martin G, Jackson H, Colleen T, Brant T, and Joe who sent in their question. Um, their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of technology and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. Yeah, it's definitely a... That's one of the positives of uh, of technology in this connected world is that we can we can do things like this and we can reach out and evangelize people and put a unique spin on a on tech podcast that you're you're not going to get a lot of other places. Like it's fun to have that uh the Venn diagram of Thomistic uh, hmm. ethics and uh and technology. Right. <laughs> All right. Uh, we have some uh, fun headlines to jump into. Uh, the first one here is about uh. China researching the challenges of building a kilometer-long, um, ultra-large spacecraft. And what this is, is they're going through a, uh, it says it's a five-year uh, plan, so I guess you'd say that's a five-year mission, um, researching <laughs> the, the feasibility of creating massive spaceships. Uh, they would be constructed in orbit, and what they're really looking at is the kind of materials they would need to be using. Um like ultralight materials, of course, in space, weight doesn't matter as much, but you're going to have to deal with mass. Um, and so they're actually currently in the process of building a, a three-module, 66-ton space station in low Earth orbit, um, and that's going to be done at the end of 2022. And a lot of this is um, looking for the future in terms of going out to Mars and the other planets in the in the solar system uh, and doing things like mining asteroids for their resources and also constructing uh, massive uh, power generation stations in orbit that would take in the solar power and then would beam it back to Earth uh, with microwaves. So, and yeah. living quarters at some point. Yeah, definitely. So <laughs> what, what do you all think of that? That sounds like an ambitious project. I, I couldn't even imagine trying to, 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 uh, to be a part of that, but that's interesting. Yeah. I'm very fascinated by it and also terrified by it. Um, if whole, it falls, right? What? <laughs> if it falls out of orbit, well, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm a huge science fiction uh, nerd myself, but I don't. I mean, I don't even know if I would be comfortable. I mean, going to to Mars, or I mean, leaving <laughs> leaving the Earth. And I know we're gonna we're gonna talk about that in another news article too. But like the whole, uh, I don't know. 
I, I, I guess I like to, to read about these things, but I'm so nervous that, I mean, if one little thing goes wrong, like, bye bye, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. Or, or like if I were part of a colony on Mars, I, like that just, that just scares me. Um, you mean you're not wanting to be the first parish priest on the Mars colony? <laughs> No. <laughs> Honest answer. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I think it's uh I, I'm just excited that we're we have the space race again and all this yeah. stuff is happening and we're getting to where countries and companies are actually seriously considering these kind of things again because one of my favorite things to do is go back and look at like the nineteen fifties and nineteen sixties view of where we would be like 20 years ago now, like, you know, you get 2001 where they have that massive ring, uh, space station. And a lot of that stuff is physically possible. It's just been a matter of the innovation and frankly, like the dollars, um, to get this stuff done. But we're finally seeing the point where because of the vast amounts of resources that can be accessed in the solar system, it's starting to make economic sense for these things to move forward. I appreciate the cooperative efforts of many nations to get, to come together with the space station and different things, you know, ISS and all mm. like that. You know, you talk space race. I, there is some competitive nature to, to, uh, to what's going on, but I, I think it's very heartening to see the, the multi, uh, the multi country support of some of these things. That's right. really, that's really kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is a, a very excited. It's, um, Kind of like a kind of like a Star Trek kind of a kind of vibe. So right. And uh, and speaking of Star Trek, uh, I don't know if you all <laughs> caught it, but uh, today uh, Blue Origin uh, they did their second launch of their new Shepard uh, um, capsule into low Earth orbit. Uh, there was a crew of three, including William Shatner. So Captain Kirk has now been mm -hmm. to space. Yeah, it was a. Uh, it was uh, similar to the one they did, uh, I think it was back in July. Uh, yep. They went up, they went over the Carmen line, which is the uh, internationally designated line for when you're in space. And it was a 10-minute flight, so they went up, they were able to you know, get out of their seats, do the, the zero-G thing, and then they came back down and they landed safely. Um, and I watched the live stream of it earlier, and it was just awesome to see. Um, one of the things I really liked, uh, which... Whatever anyone thinks about Jeff Bezos, the way he runs Amazon or some of his uh, his corporate decisions, I, I really liked how excited he was to be because he's a big a big Trekkie and he was just like beaming standing there with William uh -huh. Shatner after the launch and you could see how excited he was that he got to send Captain Kirk into space. So <laughs> that was a lot of fun to see. That's so, cool. Yeah. Did either of y'all catch it? I just saw reports of it afterwards. I didn't watch the live thing. And, and just seeing seeing Shatner coming in and ringing the bell as he started into the to the ship and and just about crying. You yeah. And just it was that was just so cool to see. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. And I and I just got news reports, too. I didn't I didn't get to watch it live. And um, yeah, just to to have that kind of an experience would be would be truly phenomenal. Mm -hmm. I'd be way okay, more okay with doing something like that than actually going up to like, you know, um, the Mars colony. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll put you in for the, for the okay. shorter trip then. If you can, uh, <laughs> if you can, uh, financially support me, I'd really appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, I know it's, uh, it's cool to see that space tourism is at, tourism is actually becoming a thing. Um, yeah. And so this I, is going to be accessible to more people who before we'd never be able to do this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I, and I think maybe that's, that's the, the key takeaway from all of this is, is 
that this is no longer just a NASA thing that that this is this is going into the you know the the average joke well not the average joke the rich average joe kind of <laughs> uh you know person but it's the non-military yeah. non non-space mm-hmm. right you know? right right this is the first time that it's ever coming to to the to the normal um population um, yeah no. so and of course as they continue to advance and do more of it i mean <laughs> the prices will go down as there's more competition and better uh you know efficiency and all of that kind of stuff too so right it's also cool to see um uh he was actually he's actually the oldest uh astronaut yeah. now uh he's he's 90 yeah. years old which he doesn't he, does he doesn't not look, look 90 good. he no. looks good for 90 um but that's cool to see and it's also really fun to see these non-engineer non like before like with astronauts they were very they came from the military background came from mm-hmm. the science background so it's very very buttoned up and it's really it's really fun to see people who are from more of an artistic side, non-military side, getting to go into space and seeing how they react to it. So that is that is really awesome. And I'm looking forward to uh, what else uh, Blue Origin and SpaceX are going to be doing moving forward. All right. Uh, we have, uh, speaking of um, interesting uh, government overreach and uh, cooperation with uh, evil and things like that, we have the this report from... Uh, the Forbes actually broke this, that the U.S. government has been uh, ordering Google and other search providers to uh, provide the data of users. Um, and what these are called is a keyword warrants. And basically what it is, is they um, Forbes uncovered uh, two such warrants that are public so far. Of course, that's just the ones we know about. Um, basically, what they do is if you're searching for these specific keywords in relation to specific crimes, they will log your IP address and cookies and stuff like that, and they can include that in a search warrant um, for your uh, systems. So, what, what? How do you all feel about that? What do you all think? Well, it's kind of scary. Yeah. On the other hand, you know, if you said, "Well, this is going to stop this child pornographer, or this is going to stop this mass murderer," you know, of course, everybody says, "Yeah, let's stop them." But then, when it comes down to, well, that's that's an opinion of what they're looking for. How do we know that it won't be used to say, let's look for all the people who are looking for, for masses and, uh, or Mm -hmm. sacraments or things like that and, and and go after them, you know, uh, or the, just, uh, how, how can this be misused? And that's always the question. Mm -hmm. I'm reminded of the, the Spider-Man saying, uh, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. Um, the problem is, is, is that we're looking at the U S government as the one who has the responsibility to, right. yeah. And power. You know, <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. I, I, I think that there's a, there's a, a high risk of, of this being used, um, in ways that it shouldn't be, you know, beyond just the, the catch, the, the, you know, child pornography or the, you know, the, the mm-hmm. sex traffic and all, and all that kind of kind of stuff. It's. <laughs> Um, oh, I mean, there's yeah. A, yeah, there's another quote that I was trying to think of. It's like it, complete power com- corrupts completely. Is that the, yes, the, the quote that I was thinking of? Power, yeah. yeah, yeah, and and I mean, so I, that it just, it makes me really nervous. I'm I'm all for for catching those who are are doing those immoral things, but how do you how do you and that's what that's what they get you with if if they point to something like hey, of course you want us to catch like a terrorist or a sex trafficker, like. How can and you everybody's going to agree with, with that? Yeah, yeah. And so, but the thing is, they don't have any 
like they don't get the benefit of the doubt at this point. Like we've seen like what Edward Snowden released when he whistle blew or the things like from WikiLeaks, like these kind of systems are always, always lead to an encroachment of privacy. And I think that really my take on it is that we have, we have all these problems with privacy and with all our data that is just like leaking out of us everywhere constantly. And people don't really realize that. Um, actually it's funny. I got an email today from Google saying like, here's your timeline of the past month of all the places you've been on your Google maps. And like, it's something that I guess I'd enabled when I got my new Android phone that I did not consciously think of, but you can pull it up and you can scroll through Mm -hmm. every single place you've been. And it tags like your photos. And it's like, did you go to Kroger and get these items? And like, it's it's all this like this metadata that we have about us that you don't really even think about and i think what really needs to happen is that we need to have a paradigm shift in how how these laws are applied and how this information is viewed in terms of what is what is okay for a thing like what is okay for the government to search when they're dealing with these kinds of problems and what are the checks and balances going to be in place that are going to prevent overreach and that's all. That's like the constant fight you have with anything. Like you go back to wiretapping; it's the same kind of thing. But mm-hmm. this is just that, like to the nth degree. Well, and so many things are subject to misinterpret, uh, possible misinterpretation, mm-hmm. like the one case that we talked about a couple of weeks ago uh, about somebody who had been convicted and put into jail based upon the the supposed gunshots that that they heard coming from what looked like his car. It was all circumstantial and really was very flawed in terms of the technology and could be misinterpreted, like somebody searching for the same terms but looking for research or looking for, for uh, you know, the, the, uh, research for a novel or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's, it's surely there's other things that they can go to point to that are not part of a digital area that they could could look for clues about what somebody's doing, not just the digital. And yeah, and I think this has to when if this kind of data is going to be collected, there needs to be probable cause and all the proper channels need to be followed in terms of obtaining a search warrant. Yeah, and we just got to be aware too that I mean as as we use technology, this stuff is happening. This stuff is being gathered about us. Mm-hmm. I I assume um, both of you have, have watched or at least have heard of The Social Dilemma. Yes. Right. The, the, I think it's a Netflix documentary. But, um, you know, and, and the whole idea behind that is that, you know, with Facebook and, and all of these, the social media platforms, they have essentially a digital avatar of every single one of us and knows, you know, our likes, our dislikes, our, you know, where we live, where we work. And they have, you know, hundreds of thousands of, of data points on, on every one of us. And I think often, I mean, even just Google searches, I mean, they're going to, they're going to, if you're logged into your account, it's tracking that too. Mm -hmm. And we, we have to be conscious of that and prudent. And, and I mean, we're, by using the technology, we're basically giving them permission to do this. And often we do it without thinking. And I, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, and sometimes the data is something that I may want. Like, for instance, Mm -hmm. if I've got in my business, I can look at my Google timeline and make sure that, you know, uh, if I'm trying to remember what client I went to see on a particular day, it's a great tool. 
But now if somebody's looking at that to try to pin a crime on me because I was in a particular location at a particular time, that's not so cool. Right. But, you know, what I'm saying is that there are benefits to this for in some cases for for being able to to track um, my location and where I was and how long I stayed someplace. For me, it's a benefit in in terms of, of, of accountability for the hours I've spent. Right. And I think that that's that's kind of the flip side of this um, argument, too, is that when we're using this technology, there are catches that come with it. Like nothing is absolutely free. And like like you always say, with uh, with Facebook and Google, we're the product. We're not the customer. Our data Mm -hmm. is what's being sold to advertisers. But also with this, like we have to acknowledge the reality of criminals are going to use any sort of means they can to conduct their crimes and so it is it is legitimate for law enforcement to subpoena these kind of information when they have a reason to do it so i don't think that absolute privacy is something that we're guaranteed if we're doing something that is illegal that is harming other people so it's just a matter of is that actually are they actually going to stay in their lane yeah yeah so yeah it's a it's a prickly thing, and I think really, especially over the next probably decade, couple of decades, we're going to see law, laws have to catch up with the way technology works, and there's always a delay there. Speaking of uh, tracking your information, uh, Mozilla is now doing this fun thing in uh, Firefox where they are selling uh, sponsored suggestions in your ad bar. And this is something that they've implemented uh, recently. I've got it here on uh, bleepingcomputer.com which is a, a fun uh, fun website name. Um, <laughs> um, basically, beginning with uh, the version of Firefox uh, 92, which came out a couple of months ago, they do this thing where companies and uh, organizations can basically buy the search suggestions that shows up when you're searching for different things. And this has kind of, uh, kind of annoyed a lot of people because they've not been transparent about this implementation at all. Basically, what, what they're saying is you got to opt into it and you got to opt into your data being shared and all that. But people are finding that when they go into the settings on Firefox, it's enabled by default, of course. Um, and so a lot of people are annoyed by this because Firefox has really tried to be the we're privacy focused. We're not going to sell your data um, as opposed to Chrome and uh, and Edge and stuff like that. So it's uh, it's funny to see that even they are even they are going down that down that way. Well, I did look at mine, for instance, and yeah, it's it, it's enabled, but I couldn't get it to show me any sponsored things. I put in things like Jeep. I put in things like uh, popcorn. I put in things like that hmm. I that I thought might show me some sponsored stuff, and nothing ever did. And I've done this over the last week since I saw the or have several days at least since I've seen the article, and so. And it's supposed to show it as a, you know, just like the Google ads sponsored, mm-hmm. you know, they they show it's an ad or they show it sponsored. This is supposed to be something about like Firefox suggestions or something like that. Yeah. And so it is labeled that way. And so, you know, if somebody doesn't want to see it, that should be pretty easy to turn off. Right. Yeah, it's it's called, not mixed in with your other results. Right. Yeah. And it's called Firefox suggest. And that's that's basically what it is, is it's going to be uh Search, search, uh, search terms and suggestions that are going to supposedly get you to what you're looking for quicker based on what other people are searching and what these companies pay for. So it is essentially just an in search bar ad. Right. right. Yeah. And, and not any different, really, than the Google search that has a few 
ads at the top and then you, you see all the rest of your search results. Right. Yeah, I think I think the the main place that people are getting miffed is that I think a lot of it has to do with how Mozilla has uh represented themselves as kind of we're not going to do privacy people. Right, yeah. right. We're not going to yeah, do that, what Google does and again, you know, everyone's got their money, right? Yeah, two sides yeah. of their mouth. <laughs> yeah. You got any thoughts on it, uh, Father? Not really, because I use Safari. Because I'm a I'm an Apple fanboy. So, <laughs> I mean, I I think I would agree with with um some of, some of the critiques of just the whole. I'd rather it be an opt in versus an automatically enabled kind of thing, right? Um, because I've experienced that elsewhere, like um, it, Amazon Sidewalk. If you have an Echo device, mm-hmm. you know it was like it was just turned on by default, and that was a, a way to try to share you know internet networks with other other users and um and it wasn't it it was just they they forced it upon people without mm-hmm. telling them and so I, I i not that i'm inherently opposed to it but i would just rather it be an opt-in situation right and i think that's where a lot of the complaints for a lot of these things come from is it's done in a very surreptitious way to not not get you to notice it like like the thing with the um google timeline that i i got the email for which i did not even know i'd signed up for like I guess the way I take these kind of things is they're going to have this data whether whether I want them to or not. I might as well benefit from it. Um, and then a lot of this stuff is I feel like you, you just got to know what you're getting into with, like we were talking about with Facebook and Google. If it's a free mm-hmm. product, there's a catch. Well, and it's kind of like I tell my clients too, you know, people complain about Facebook and all that. And I agree, but you don't have to look at the edge and you don't have mm. to click on the edge. You know that they're there and it's part of the cost of having a free product. Right. And so you, you have to, it, part of it's an education issue that people have to to learn to be a little bit more critical in their thinking, mm-hmm. you know, to say, you know, why is, why is this stuff here? Do I even need to look at it? Right. Yeah, that that really is a lot of it. Um, and if you're really, really concerned about like your privacy and um, just not having your browser filled with ads, there's lots of options out there. Like a, Brave. Yeah, or, Brave or, is a fantastic one. Of course, it has its own advertising, but it's an opt-in. Right. You know, to say, if you want to support our cause here, you know, here's these ads and it'll give these, these companies money mm-hmm. type thing or credits. Yeah, it's it, it's just the way these things work. So it is, I do feel like is a little bit of a tempest in a teapot uh, with the Mozilla thing, but I do, I agree that the principle of having you be automatically opted into all these kind of things is very annoying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, there's too many things that do something now and ask for forgiveness later. You know, they yeah. they, they just assume that everybody's going to be okay with it until everybody jumps up. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's always fun. Awesome. Yeah, those are... Uh, a lot of a lot of fun stuff today. Um, now we're gonna we can move on to our uh, picks of the week. Um, do you want to kick us off, Pat? <laughs> no, because I just remembered I didn't pick one, <laughs> <laughs> so I gotta think for a second here. Awesome, I can uh, I can start. Sounds good. Good. Uh, so my my pick uh, this week is the Google Nest doorbell. So speaking of Google, um, but the, the the one that I'm recommending is the battery operated one. And the the reason that I discovered this was um, the way that our our office um, here is is set up at, at at the church is we've had this cheap um, uh, remote doorbell for forever, and it's one of those that that it's it's wireless, but it would it would ring only about once every five times people pushed it 
So there was a lot of people that just thought that they were ringing the doorbell and we, and then they just left because they didn't think that we were there, even though the door was unlocked, but they, they didn't, we didn't answer the door. Um, and so I've been, I've been looking for a replacement for that. And the way that the building is set up is that there is no wired connection there. Mm. So I had to go down the road of a battery operated one. And, um, and I discovered that the Google nest, uh, doorbell battery operated one, which is really phenomenal. So it's, it, I was able to, um, I felt very, uh, uh, Tim, the Toolman Taylor here. I, I had my masonry masonry bit and screwed, um, screwed it into the brick on the outside of the, the, the door. And so it's very secure on the, on the outside of the door. Um, and it's got a camera on it and it's got a, a doorbell. And so it'll, it'll ring and it'll ring to your cell phone. Um, if you have the Google home app on your, on your, on your smartphone. Um, I also did get a Google speaker with it as well. So put that in the office. So that way, mm. when someone rings the doorbell, um, there's actually an audible in the office, uh, oh, nice. kind of ring that goes on as well. But then it's super nice because there's a, there's a camera there as well, which we've never had a camera at the front door. So this is sort of a helpful security thing as well. And, uh, so, so that is my, my pick. Um, I, I'm blanking on the cost of that. I wanted to say it was about $180. Yeah, I think I think it's 179 is yeah. typically how much they cost. Yeah, 179. Um have you how long have you had it and have you noticed if like like how what's the battery life like cuz I've considered getting one of these and my my chief worry is like I'm going to forget to charge my doorbell. <laughs> <laughs> right. So um so actually we've had it installed for two and a half weeks or so. And, um, in fact, I'm going to pull it up right now. I was, I was reading reviews and some, some people were claiming that it would last up to two months. Um, currently, currently I've had it on for two weeks and the battery life is at 64%. So, um, and we get, I mean, we get the mail delivery just about every day. I mean, multiple people come in every day. This isn't just a, well, we have, you know, maybe one person show up at our doorstep every day. So it's looking like it's going to last us about a month, which is which is great. And then I can check the battery life on my phone. I assume it will give me a notification when the battery is low. Um, I haven't yeah, experienced that yet, but I assume I will. And then then it'll just be a matter of once I get that notification, you know, plug it into it's a there's a USB uh, power cable that's that's uh, with it. And then I'll just charge it up and then throw it back out there for for a month. So for for a a, a wireless option. Um, I've been very happy with it. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I might consider that. Um, I, I have like the whole uh, old style doorbell in my home. And so I think eventually if I put in a smart one, I'm going to see if I can wire it in. But if not, it sounds like my biggest fear is, is the battery life. And I guess that's not something I really even need mm-hmm. to worry about. I do love our Google doorbell. I mean, it does. It is really nice in a sense that that uh, not only is it uh good video but mm-hmm. i can go back and look at video i mean there's there are plans that you can buy three five seven i don't know what however many days that i can go back and look and see when i wasn't actively recording it i mean it's recording it for me and i can mm-hmm. go back and look at earlier times and pick up stuff that i that i would like to save and then you can save those little videos on your on your device too yep, nice. yep. Awesome. there's internal memory and i forget how long it stores even without a plan there's there's some storage on on the device itself. Nice, that's awesome. But I think if you can get a wired, it's probably just better. Yeah. But, but in yeah, situations like wired, us, we yeah. just we had there was no option without, you know, <laughs> renovating the office and no, yeah, we're not definitely. gonna do that. 
Yeah, it is good to hear that that is a, a good option though, because I think that's a lot of a lot of what dissuades people from the battery battery mm-hmm. version. And I can I can easily handle once a month to to plug yeah. it in for you know a day. Yeah, it's not bad at all. All right, uh, Pat, did you want to go next? Uh, well, let's see. I was just just trying to think. I did get a new Mac Air recently, and I'm enjoying <laughs> it a lot. But it's not something you're going to have as your normal pick of the week, except that my old MacBook had been pretty old, and so it was time to get something with an M1 chip. Oh, and nice. I've been really happy oh, with yeah. the performance of it, and and uh, uh, I it, it's it's kind of cool. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Uh, I got a I got the MacBook Air back in January, and it's a it's a fantastic computer. So. Isn't there a Mac event happening on yeah, Monday or Tuesday? Yeah. A couple of days. So yeah, they're going to come out with the, the M1X. So I guess is listeners that, stay tuned for that next week. Yeah, definitely. So is that going to be on the 27-inch uh, iMac or is it going to be a, a, a higher chip on the existing MacBook Pros? I believe what the rumors I've heard is it's going to be a 14-inch and a 16-inch MacBook Pro that is going to have the next version of the M1 chip. And that's going to replace the current 13-inch M1 MacBook Pro and the 16-inch MacBook Pros that are still on Intel. Right. So it'll be it'll be cool to see what they come out with. Apparently, there's also some uh, some rumors that the new MacBook Pros are going to have the notch like the iPhone. So if they go with that, I'm gonna gonna really wonder why they made a design decision like that. But um, a notch on the MacBook kind of like kind of like the iPhone, yeah, to keep the bezel as small as possible. Wow, I hadn't heard that. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Awesome. Uh, my pick of the week is not a uh, not a device or a service um, so much as it is a feature on my uh, Google Pixel 5a that I got uh, about a month ago. Um, it has this awesome uh, feature in the camera called astrophotography mode. And basically what it is, is you can set it to night mode and then you keep it very still. I've been using like a my rigged up a uh, tripod which is just a bunch of bricks in my backyard that i'm propping it on um and you can take take these fantastic pictures of the sky and it takes like four or five minutes depending on the light um but once it does you get these really really beautiful um star pictures where you get tons and tons of stars that you cannot see with the naked eye and even where i live which is fairly light polluted and i got a lot of trees around me i've been getting really really good results um i've been posting some of them on twitter uh but i really uh i really enjoy that feature So if you, I believe the new iPhones can also do something similar. Um, but if you have a Google pixel phone, they have really good software that, uh, that enables a lot of that. All right. Um, and that's, uh, that's it from us. What did you think of our discussion? You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash technology or on SQ, the SQPN Facebook page, facebook.com slash StarQuest Media, or send an email to technology at sqpn.com. You can find links from our discussion and picks of the week on our show notes at sqpn.com. You can help us grow Secrets of Tech by writing a five-star review in Apple Podcasts or one of the other podcast directories, and share the podcast with your friends to help us grow our community and reach more listeners. Until next time, Father Andrew, thank you for joining me in sharing the Secrets of Technology. Absolutely. And Pat Scott, thank you as well. It's always a pleasure to be here. And once again, I'm Jack Barazzini. Thank you for listening to the Secrets of Technology on StarQuest.